0: Thanks for downloading the UWA alumni podcast. I'm Harry, the president of Ignite Mentoring for 2018 and the current student at UWA. I'm here talking to Natasha Kuzmuk, correct me if I pronounced that horribly. Oh, you got that right. And you are the Multicultural Community Liaison Officer. That's right. So I think if we just start, um, if you want to talk a little bit about your time at UWA and sort of your journey through UWA and then what you did after you graduated. Sure.
1: A good start is sort of um, where I've come from and sort of how I ended up at UWA. It's, it's a pretty long story, so I'll keep it short. I actually was born overseas in Yugoslavia, now Bosnia. Uh, arrived in Australia in Being Close to Christmas, so a very different idea of Christmas in my head. Super warm here, super cold over there. Mm-hmm. Um, so as a refugee, obviously I had no English competency or anything like that. So uh, university was really far away for me to even think about. I think after I sort of uh, finished high school, I sort of got into at that point when you're thinking about, you know, putting, putting in your preferences for a university, you go, what do I actually want to do? And uh, I sort of reflected on my journey a lot before putting those preferences in. And UWA, obviously a Bachelor of Arts, most people think you can't get a career out of it, but mm-hmm. I tell you they are wrong. So I, yeah, I enrolled for UWA and uh, started off, loved it so much. Uh, I met a lot of great people uh, in my undergraduate degree It was really, really cool. Uh, I went and studied things like political science, international relations. I did a bit of economics history. Um, At the time, I did industrial relations as well. I think it's called employment relations now. And yeah, I finished that off and thought, you know what, I'll do honours as well. So I did honours in both those areas of study uh, and basically thought, you know what, this is pretty cool. Uh, And then, yes, after that, decided to start a career.
0: So then um, how did you go about sort of looking for employment? Did you know exactly what you wanted to do? Or oh, was goodness, it just, no. just employment?
1: <laughs> yeah, it was sort of like, I need a job now. I need to stop studying. Yep. No, it was it, it was really interesting because I sort of looked at uh, different avenues for what I wanted to do. And obviously, I did my honours and I thought, OK, I like politics, which was weird mm-hmm. because I'd never had that interest. International relations, loved it. Loved all the things to do with people and helping others. And I spoke to my mentor, so my honours supervisor. Mm -hmm. And she sort of said, you know what, maybe you should consider government work or working in the public service. I thought, okay, this is really interesting. I don't know any departments. I mean, obviously, you do learn about the Australian government, but you really don't think about the departments that are out there. And, uh, yeah, I basically talked to her, and that was really the only searching for a job I did. I basically went online to one website. She told me to apply for a job in the Department of Immigration and Citizenship mm-hmm. at the time, and that was it. Pretty much a week later, I had a job, wow. which I know these days is That's not <laughs> as easy. <laughs>
0: That's how it works, everyone, yes. if you're listening. One website and you're set.
1: That's right, well, look, nowadays I keep telling people, you know, you need to do volunteering, you need mentors, you need all this stuff. So right. yeah, it's, it's pretty cool though.
0: Do you remember what your honors thesis was on, your topic?
1: Oh, that's really testing my memory now. Uh, it would have actually been something to do with Bosnian refugees oh, okay, in Australia. Wow. Yep. Uh, and it was sort of comparing their online behaviour and sort of political affiliations, so their perspectives and trust of government uh, overseas and here in Australia. It was really cool because I got to look at everyone's blogs and things like that. Well, wow. uh, And being multilingual, it was kind of like very simple for me to yeah. be able to do both. But yeah, it, that, I think that was it. But I cannot remember for the life of me what the specific topics in those chapters would have been. So yeah. yes, testing my memory. <laughs> That's
0: incredibly interesting. Most people's theses are so boring But that. <laughs> well said.
1: Well, I'm sure to whoever who had to read this uh, would have thought the same, but I no, had a great
0: time doing it. <laughs> that sounds like a good topic. So maybe can, can you speak to that a bit more since obviously you chose to your honest on what I imagine was quite a personal topic there. So can you speak a bit more to sort of why you came to Australia, if you're comfortable with speaking about it. Um, Sure, of course. Sort of your your journey through Bosnia?
1: Sure. So it it was really interesting. I had not even thought about talking about the issues that I experienced or or my journey uh, to Australia at all or or before Australia Mm -hmm. until my honours thesis where my supervisor actually asked, why would you choose this topic? And we had a really, really deep and meaningful conversation, which I'll share a little bit about this with you. So it was sort of talking about things like so you came to Australia as a refugee. What does that actually mean? So for me, it's been sort of uh, when people ask this question, it's going through, you know, I went through two different wars. So I was born in Bosnia and obviously lived through the conflict there. Mm-hmm. So the breakup of Yugoslavia, mm-hmm. I was very young, so I don't really remember really horrible things and things like that. But uh, obviously, you know, you, you experience poverty and disadvantage and, uh, you know, having to Live in a very uncertain environment where you know your ethnicity or religious affiliations kind of a bad thing. Mm-hmm. So after that, I did start primary school, which was really cool. But of course, you know, I in that environment post war, it, it's impossible to get a job. So we yep. moved countries to Serbia, became refugees there, mm-hmm. and obviously in 1999 or 98 um they had the bombings happen there and we were in belgrade serbia Mm -hmm. and so my family sort of decided okay enough is enough uh but of course before all of that it's it's sort of having to go through another war having to go through all the all the traumatic experiences you do uh so it it also has a lot of a impact on sort of your family life and your education and your sort of personal beliefs and identity uh so yeah that's um Yeah, when you come to Australia and you can kind of have all that, Mm. you do appreciate it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Wow. So you mentioned that when you were doing that thesis, correct me if I'm wrong, but that was the first time you sort of really reflected on it. Is that sort of a a phenomenon with a lot of refugees or asylum seekers, that there's a sort of, um, I don't know if you'd call it a suppression, but... um, just sort of a non reflection until a later date? Do you, do you find that in, in the people you yeah, work with?
1: That's right. So, in my day job, um, obviously for the last three, four years, I've been working very closely with uh, refugee and humanitarian, I suppose, entrants and, and, of course, communities and, and community groups that come from multicultural um, community sort of backgrounds. I would say a lot of the time, the term refugee is really not something that they associate themselves with yeah but you do see a lot of people sort of thinking more like okay we need a job we need employment um, so let's leave that sort of reflection aside and so a lot of those traumatic experiences and sort of self-awareness and confidence that you and me would now experience mm. freely mm-hmm. comes I think a few years after you sort of settle down and you know if you've got a family your kids are in school you start a yep. job learn some English and realize well the world the world actually knows who I am and what I've been through. I think yeah. I need to share it. So thankfully, there is a lot of supports out there. Uh, so people do sort of feel a bit more comfortable these days to share these things.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you mentioned in your, in your alumni profile that one of your sort of motivators for doing what you do was something as sort of essential as just helping people do their best or break down barriers. And obviously, that's something that must happen, you know, basically to everyone in your career um, or to everyone that you're working with. But do you have any sort of specific examples or, or favourite examples even that sort of motivate you about people that you, yes. you've worked with that have really done something that you, you know, they couldn't have done without you or they couldn't have done without sort of that settlement?
1: Yeah. Look, there's pretty much daily – and this is probably mm. why I keep going with the job that yeah. I'm going and obviously working with the people that I do. It was, I think, recently that someone actually said – you know, you inspired me. Mm -hmm. And um, what inspired them was really me sharing my story with them, completely in a personal capacity, Mm -hmm. not in a professional capacity. But other days, you know, I have a lot of people from various countries like, you know, South Sudan, that's obviously a big topical thing now. Mm -hmm. uh, You know, people from the Middle East, people from countries that... Basically, their entire family's grown up in a refugee camp. They know nothing of the sort of normal life that we we call normal. Uh, And so a lot of them that come from, you know, uh, very poor education uh, sort of backgrounds and uh, very poor backgrounds generally, some of them, you know, have entered the AFL world and they're becoming rising stars now. So I got to meet them. And it's not something that I've done necessarily, but supported the work that's around that to actually get them to that stage. Uh, but really, I don't think I've really helped a lot of people as much as they've helped me because wow. when you see these people aspiring to do better, to be more, to battle that disadvantage, all they need sometimes is a good, good piece of advice, a little bit of support, um, a few contacts, a few people that can help them, and they're on their merry way. So uh, sometimes you get that, but other times some people really just have a list of questions and know when to ask, and that's really where I come in. And uh, connect them to the right people, uh, give them the right examples, and also tell them some good stories like this. You know, of young people that have done amazing things. Uh young people that are building their own businesses, Mm -hmm. um, mothers that have gone through domestic violence and now they're, you know, they're becoming big, doing big things or people that are just local, doing local things like starting their own um, mother's groups, reading groups, Mm -hmm. um, things like that. Really simple stuff that actually makes life worth it. So yeah, some really inspiring stories daily. I go on for days.
0: (laughs) So on that sort of mentor relationship with you mentoring them and giving them that sort of minimal minimal advice and encouragement, can you speak a bit about sort of your mentors or, or who helped of you? Course. You mentioned your honour yes. supervisor. Um. Yes,
1: yeah. So uh, my honour supervisor was Samina Yasmin and she's mm-hmm. to this day kind of like an adoptive family member mm-hmm. uh, and to this day I obviously do send her emails and you know ask her for advice and just chat and she she continues to help me with a lot of my personal sort of um, I suppose uh, questions like you know what should I do, what do you think, uh, very simple stuff that you hopefully have other friends to ask for as well. Uh, But also uh, people like our Vice-Chancellor, Dawn Freshwater. Mm -hmm. I do pop in every so often, have a cup of tea, talk to her about just my career, my life, my Mm -hmm. thoughts. Uh, You know, there's people like, I suppose the professors in this university are pretty amazing. Um, I still email people like Donella Casparas, and I I sort of go, hey, should I do a PhD? Or should I do something? Or what do you think? Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think mentors are really essential. But of course, I mean, you you look at... um, uh, you look at any any successful person and I think they really do need to be supported uh, no matter how amazing you are you will always need to ask someone a question and of course you would obviously know a lot about that because of course your program and what you do which I think you you definitely would uh, have a lot more inspiring stories than me today because um, I
0: don't know about that <laughs>
1: oh well you could tell me a little bit about it
0: well I guess I'm, I'm actually interested in in just sort of talking about it and you've spoken to it a bit but sort of because it's something that we often ask ourselves what what makes a good mentor or, or mm. maybe more importantly what doesn't make a good mentor or even sometimes what can a mentor do do you have any ideas on that sort of
1: oh yes look with, with mentors I think the key thing is when we talk about mentors they're volunteers so mm. they volunteer their time they volunteer the wisdom uh, and sometimes I think volunteers go with the best interest at heart but Mm -hmm. they think as though they would um, about themselves. So uh, key things, you know, empathy is important, but don't sympathize with a person to the point where, you know, if they're crying, you're crying. Mm -hmm. Uh, It doesn't help anyone. Uh, And I can tell you that from experience, uh, it really does not help. Uh, It can make the problem worse. The other thing is mentors always need support from others. So Mm -hmm. you might be asking for career advice and you go to your mentor. So I might go to, you know, uh, people like Dawn and say, hey, uh, you know, what do you think? And she'll go well, I'm not sure I'll find out so mm. I- even they will need support so making sure that mentors like all volunteers have the right training right supports uh, and that they also know that you know there is a limit to how much they can help mm-hmm. until they sort of move on and actually refer you to someone else and so in my work it's the same if I'm mentoring a student or someone who is going through a tough time uh, I won't be necessarily dealing with a mental health issue or mm. domestic violence issue mm. if I'm not comfortable or they're not comfortable with me sort of getting into that really really neat deep deep stuff yeah. so obviously acknowledging your limitations as a mentor is really important mm. and having the right resources around you as well
0: yeah i mean our, our mentoring works in classrooms and i think there there is a good deal of um sympathy and connection um that we can sort of fall into that same trap of, of really getting um you know, over invested, I think it's it's hard not to sometimes, but at the same time, we are only operating in classrooms. So we have, we have sort of a framework there and it's maybe a bit easier. I imagine for you working on, on a much more personal level, and I imagine in a much more involved level, that is really difficult. How do you sort of toe that line between sympathy and empathy?
1: I think it's, it's really important to celebrate the successes as mm. much as your own limitations um Look, I'll I'll give you a really good example. I was a tutor before I started my career in the public service, Mm -hmm. and I was tutoring a girl who really wanted to get into university. She was a Somali Mm -hmm. uh, background, so she came as a refugee, had really good English skills, surprisingly, but her dad couldn't help her with anything Mm -hmm. because he obviously didn't speak English. She was going through a lot of personal issues as well, and I got to a point where I was so invested in making sure she gets to university that Mm -hmm. I rose her expectations to that level that if I hadn't quite achieved what I wanted mm. it would be a letdown to me let down to her and of course that's never a good confidence booster for anybody yep. uh, so you know towing the line between sympathy and empathy I mean really simply is you know I was sympathetic to her situation because I'd gone through the same thing mm. but remembering this was her journey and not mine uh, it was all about you know I can empathise with So I can feel what she's feeling, definitely. But I can understand that there is a bigger world out there and opening her mind up to that as well was really important. Uh, So, you know, giving her options to go, yeah, university is important, but there are other options. And yes, I went to university, totally recommend it. But look, you actually want to do something else other, you know, outside of what I wanted to do. So how about you explore that? And so now she's actually gone and done the United Nations uh, youth program and um, Mm. hopefully she'll achieve some amazing stuff. Yeah, Uh, But that could have gone really wrong had I cried and sat in a corner with her too. (laughs) Yeah,
0: Just to sort of shamelessly get some uh, advice on our own programs, um, (laughs) because we run ESL programs, which I think we probably have the most difficulty developing because it's just so delicate when you were were growing up um, and sort of you know struggling to learn English in a school setting, what do you think was most helpful from a teaching perspective?
1: It was really interesting. I went to Highgate Primary School for about six months to learn English. So it took me six months, mm. and I know that's really an exaggeration in most people's books because it does take longer to perfect it. but, I had a really good teacher who out of hours said, oh, give me a call and practice your English. Mm. Uh, You know, watch TV, listen to music, uh, read, just read. Mm. And you know, these things do get boring, Mm. really they do. Mm -hmm. Uh, In terms of learning English, I think, it's, it's contextual stuff. So, you know, taking them out of the environment of the classroom is always helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, introducing something new, something exciting. Um, I actually picked up a comic book for the first time when I was learning English and oh I yeah. thought this is really simple to read. Yeah. Uh, but of course pictures help you sort of associate things. Uh, so having a really good teacher means being able to think outside the box as well.
0: So I j- might just ask one more question. Um, cause I know at UWA among the student population, there's, there's, A lot of volunteering activities right now particularly around things like refugees and I think sort of topic a lot of students are first of all just interested to be more informed on but also I think really keen to be um, be involved in Mm -hmm. and and do some work. Do you have any ideas on sort of what young people can do or where they should go um, if they want to get more involved or even just find out more?
1: Definitely look there's so much uh Understanding and resources out there. Uh, there's some really amazing organisations pretty much all over the place. Uh, you know, pretty much whatever suburb you live in, somebody's doing something with refugees mm-hmm. or knows something about refugees or are refugees themselves. Um, mm-hmm. You know, could be your next door neighbour. Yep. So uh, a really good start, I suppose, is, you know, you can go online. Um, you can even go to the department's website that I work with, so mm-hmm. Department of Social Services. Uh, you can go on the settlement programs mm-hmm. um, and find out you know, if there's a settlement uh, program service provider there near you. Mm-hmm. Uh, up, off the top of my head, I mean, there are some amazing service providers doing things for refugees, for communities but they are not necessarily just funded by government. They could be associations done, uh, basically being organized and facilitated by the community themselves. Mm -hmm. So we've got things like the Organization of African Communities. They do amazing stuff with young people. They're always keen to have a chat. Uh, There's a a Muslim leader down in uh, Bibera Lakes at the moment. His name is Imam Kamran, Mm -hmm. Um, and he's fantastic. He basically is a social media whiz, Mm -hmm. and he's uh, behind that wonderful thing that was on Hay Street Mall or Murray Street, more last year where he basically said hi I'm a Muslim ask me anything okay. um, so he does um, he's basically always keen to chat to anyone that's interested um, so there are a lot of people out there and pretty much any non-government organisation these days is somehow involved with refugees so really encourage students amazing. to just get out of the way and mm. you know get out there and actually yeah ask just these look, people yeah.
0: yeah amazing I think that's all we have time for thanks no so worries. much for talking to
1: you. thank you for having
0: thank you. me thank you for downloading today's episode hope you enjoyed it Are you interested in volunteering? UW provides you the opportunity to mentor a student, organise a reunion or even help at a graduation. Visit our website and find out how you can make a difference today.